This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Car. Pass the war quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast where your host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Another installment of a head coaching candidate deep dive. Today we're looking at Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach for the Northwestern football team. Michael, before we get into it, we have a special guest on the line with us to talk about Fitzgerald. What are your initial thoughts about, about the Jets bringing on Pat Fitzgerald as a head coach? Yeah, I, I think he's definitely one of the best college candidates that has been mentioned um, in as one of the names that the Jets are potentially looking at, because obviously college names have been uh, at the top of the list in terms of who the Jets could be looking for. You've had Matt Campbell, Fitzgerald is up there, Dan Mullen from Florida. So uh, he's definitely up there as one of the most intriguing names if you're looking for a guy with head coach experience from college. So I'm de- definitely looking forward to see what Sam has to say about him. Yeah, and especially when you see the success that Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury have had in the NFL and the Johnsons' willingness to, to interview both Kingsbury and Rule, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Jets go in the direction of a college coach. But a guy like Fitzgerald has been evasive, I guess, going towards the NFL. We're going to talk about it in this interview that this year might be the year that he makes a leap, but maybe he's just bluffing. But on the line with us is Sam Brief, who actually covered – Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern football for four years. He's currently a broadcaster and media relations uh, director for the Chicago dogs. Uh, Sam, how are you doing, man? I'm great. Great. It's, it's an honor to be here with you both, especially on the Monday after your team uh, finished its season, you know, two and 14 eh, could be better, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, who's, uh, so you who's your, do you have an NFL team? I'm a bears fan. So okay. I'm high on the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> because we're kind of in similar situations, I guess, because the bears are, are, you know, dealing with Mitch Trubisky and he's actually had a, uh, a solid second half of the season and, and the jets are kind of in limbo right now with Sam Darnold, but we're, we're bad enough where it seems like we might be able to move on from Darnold. It seems like the bears though, especially if, if Mitch can win a playoff game, he, he might be uh, sticking in Chicago, but Sam, the reason you're on the, the podcast is talk, to talk about Pat Fitzgerald for Northwestern, maybe explain to our listeners uh, your qualifications to talk about Northwestern's football team and, and Pat Fitzgerald. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I spent four years at Northwestern as a student there and covered both the team and Fitz intimately for the student radio station and for Inside NU, which is the SB Nation site for Northwestern. So 
one of the great things about covering Northwestern as a broadcaster with the radio station is we actually traveled with the team for their road trips. So all of the Big awesome. Ten road trips, the bowl games to Music City Bowl and the Holiday Bowl, we'd be on the team plane with the team. And when I was covering the games, I would do a one-on-one with Fitz before the game. Uh, which is something that most student radio stations didn't get. So I was lucky to do that, but it also gave me a chance to hang out with Fitz a little bit and, and get to know a little bit of a, uh, get a little bit of a relationship with him. So I uh, definitely, definitely feel comfortable chatting about him. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest, I go to Syracuse and I know Northwestern and Syracuse aren't direct rivals, but I know the broadcasting programs are, are kind of rivals in a sense, but that sounds pretty, pretty awesome that you got one-on-ones with Fitz with Fitzgerald before we get into to the rest of the interview do you have any personal stories about those one-on-ones as you got to know him as a guy I mean what type of, of man outside of football is he and, and any interesting stories about your your uh, your time spent with him yeah well he you know I think one of the really striking things about Fitz is his personal touch you know you talk about what a typical college coach is like versus a typical NFL coach and Fitz is the model example of someone who's all about family and anyone in the orb of Northwestern, he looks at his family and it was no different with us. I mean, you know, think about me, right? Let's say I'm a junior in college. I'm with them going to the, to the music city bowl, right? And Fitz is Fitz. He's the king of Evanston. He's the king of Northwestern. He's one of the best players in program history, probably the best. And now he's, you know, the coach that has uh, kept them relevant for so long. And I'm just a lowly, you know, student radio broadcaster. But he still took the time to get to know me, to ask me. Like, I remember I was first impressed that he remembered my name after wow. my first interview. Like, I went with him for the second one. He's like, oh, hey, Sam, how's it going? How's it going, buddy? And wow. just that little personal touch to know my name. I was like, oh, Fitz knows my name. And then as we went, it was more and more him, you know, he would almost interview me before I interviewed him, you know, asking, because <laughs> he knew I was a student, asking how how it's going, things like that. And, you know, a lot of it is small talk, right? It's, it's not like we were having deep chats by the fireplace where, you know, <laughs> we, we dug deep on life and, and, you know, really reflected on things. But, um, you know, it, just having that, those moments, uh, I think show the type of guy he is because I think most Big Ten football coaches are a little more terse than that, right? right. So um, it, it, Fitz is, is, is a really good guy from that perspective. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, a big qualification for, for the Jets job is they're looking for a CEO, a leader, a guy who's able to connect. And I, I do think that speaks volumes to him as a leader. It's not necessarily how you treat, um, no offense, but not, not necessarily how you treat the CEO, but it's how you treat the janitor, not that you're a janitor, mm-hmm. but how you treat yeah, the, no, the lowest like guy. In the... Closer to a janitor than right, a CEO. Right, exactly. Sure. And, and it's, it's awesome to hear, you know, how much respect he, he was able to show you, because I know what you're talking about. And, and my small experiences mm-hmm. with with college football coaches, they're not necessarily the most cordial of men unless you earn their respect. But it's interesting to hear that about Pat Fitzgerald. Can you talk a little bit about the program of Northwestern football before he got uh, before he got there and, and specifically the first few years that he got there? What were some of the changes he made? And, and maybe just speak about Northwestern football today. I mean, the, the impact that he's had on that university. I mean, the impact is enormous. Now, the thing about Pat Fitzgerald is – if he never became Northwestern's coach, if he never even got into coaching at all, if he was just working in business right now, he would be a legend at Northwestern. Now, 
his career was remarkable. He was a captain on a team that went to the Rose Bowl in 1995. So just as a player, he's already a legend. Now, he came into Northwestern in a really unique situation because Randy Walker, who was the Cats head coach in 2006, died suddenly in June. Wow. And Fitz at the time was a young guy. He was only 10 years out of college. And he was the linebackers coach and a recruiting coordinator. So it wasn't like he was the head coach in waiting. He was not the defensive coordinator. You know, he was not an associate head coach. He was the linebackers coach. Uh, Coach dies suddenly, heartbreaking. And Fitz was chosen as the new head coach, which says a lot about the type of guy he is. Now, before he came aboard, that 95 Rose Bowl season where he was a linebacker was really the only <laughs> remarkable season that Northwestern had had. Uh, this, this was a program that was in the gutter for a really long time. Now, I mean, you guys know that there's a lot of sports media personalities that went to Northwestern and some of the top guys like Mike Greenberg, Mike Wilbon, Jay Adande, they were all at Northwestern in the eighties when the team was consistently going 0 and 11 one in 10 would be like a, an up season. You know, this was a really, really bad program uh, whose last bowl win was actually all the way back in 1948 when Fitz won the Jeez. Gator Bowl in 2012. Think about it. 1948 was three years after World War II ended. <laughs> and then they, they went all that time until 2012 when they won the Gator Bowl. And now you ask me, like, what is the program like now compared to that? Okay, well, the, b- before Fitz, it was like you had to go back to the World War II era to find a bowl win. Well, now I'm talking to you on the Monday, just a few days after Northwestern won a bowl game for the fourth consecutive season, or sorry, fourth year in out of five. We'll just kind of ignore last year's three win team. <laughs> um, but clearly there's just a different standard. I mean, they've been to the Big Ten championship game two of the last three years. We just saw Ohio State whoop Clemson. And Northwestern was beating Ohio State at halftime of that Big Ten title game. So this standard is just different. You know, when I see Northwestern fans get upset and angsty about blowing a halftime lead in the Big Ten championship game against a top five team, I'm like, okay, this is a different program. This is not the team that's used to going 0-11. So that's what Fitz has done. He's completely turned the narrative around on Northwestern. And uh, one more thing I'd like to add on Fitz is – you guys know how important facilities are in college football, right? That's how you get recruits is the glitz and the glamour. And the university raised $270 million to build what's been called the Fitz Carlton, which is a wonderful nickname that I think credit goes to uh, Teddy Greenstein, uh, the then of the Chicago Tribune, who I believe is a Jets fan actually, but he covered Northwestern. Um, Fitz Carlton. I mean, it's, it's, I think the best facility in college football, definitely in the Big Ten, lakeside, beautiful practice facility that Fitz is credited with concepting, raising the funds for, along with Jim Phillips. Uh, and, you know, that, that's a huge part of his legacy that decades after he leaves Northwestern will live on uh, as far as long as the building can last. So uh, that, that's just some of my thoughts on what Fitz so- has done with Northwestern. It's a pretty dramatic turnaround. So you're saying that he could maybe get the Jets out of MetLife Stadium if he were to become the head coach. <laughs> yeah. I that, mean, that's hey, what I'm he, hearing. 
he upgraded Northwestern's practice facility from a pretty rinky-dink operation off campus to that. I mean, I, I'd like to see what he can do with <laughs> with your Jets. Yeah, and, and you mentioned how he's just changed the standards for Northwestern football so much. So what would you say? Because I think a lot of fans, when they first hear about a coaching candidate that they haven't heard of before, they'll the first thing they'll do is look up their record. And you look at Pat Fitzgerald, and he doesn't have the most amazing record that would compare to some of the best power five coaches out there, mm-hmm. some of the bigger names. So what would you say to some of the fans who might be skeptical of Fitzgerald just because of his record not being the most amazing out of all the candidates out there? Well, in order to look at the record, you know, you sort of have to look at what Northwestern is and the context of where they are. So when you're, when you become the head coach of an Ohio state or a Wisconsin or a Michigan in the big 10, you're guaranteed a certain amount of wins. I mean, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been torched for what he's done at Michigan. That being said, he's still guaranteed like eight wins a year, right? So at Northwestern, you're not because it's a small private school in a conference with 13 public universities, many of whom have really established programs like Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, who are getting guys that are going to the NFL. I mean, when you look at an Ohio State, a third of that team could go to the NFL. With Northwestern, it's a small handful. You know, maybe five of those guys can make it to the NFL. So uh, he's already working against the curve. And listen, I'm not making excuses. He's had clunkers of seasons. I joked that I would brush aside last year's three and nine team. Like that was a bad team. You know, he had back-to-back five and seven teams in 2013 and 14. Uh, They have underachieved at times, but just with the history of this program, the record he has, even though it's not phenomenal on paper is pretty darn good. So um, that that's sort of what I would say about the record. And what are some of the, the traits that I guess he possesses? Because you talked about, I mean, Northwestern having a losing program. I guess Jets mm-hmm. fans know all about that, especially the last <laughs> yeah. 10 years. And, I mean, you're talking about World War II. It's not as impressive, but the last time the Jets won a Super Bowl was 1969. It was the 1968 season. So we know all about droughts, and the Jets now own the longest playoff drought. Um, so what are some of the traits that, that you think – would make him a a good head coach if he were to transition to the NFL. I mean, do you think there's going to be much of an adjustment going from college to the NFL? You're talking about, yes, he's had some underachieving seasons, but for the most part, when you look at the talent on the roster compared to the teams that he's playing every single year, he's overachieving. And that's generally something that, that translates, but what are some of those traits that, that you would say would give you confidence if you were an NFL team um, that this guy would be able to make the leap seamlessly to the NFL? Longest playoff drought. Thanks, Cleveland. Um, So (laughs) sorry to rub it in. I I got a lot of salt for your wounds. But for 15 weeks on this podcast, we were cheering for them to lose. So we're we're, yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's nothing that's below us. And then suddenly in December they became good. (laughs) (laughs) One of my best friends is a Jets fan, so I I feel your pain through him. But (laughs) back to Fitz. So you know, I actually think he's more equipped for that type of situation now. You know, there's a lot of chatter about Urban Meyer. Like, I've seen things about him going to Jacksonville. And, um, you know, that's a coach in Urban Meyer who's got the highest standard. Like, he's so used to winning. And I saw some analysis. I think it was it was on, on Twitter. Someone who had covered Urban Meyer saying, 
man, like I've, I've seen this guy up close, the way he takes losses and, you know, with him, with Ohio state and Florida, like there's one loss a year, right there. They are few and far between. It's like, I see the way this guy takes losses so hard. It impacts his health. And I don't know how he would do in the NFL on a bottom feeder Jackson, <laughs> right? Fitz is not like that. I mean, I just ran down his record. He was five and seven in 2013, five and seven in 2014, three and nine last year. And he was fine. You know, you go three and nine. I remember they won their last game last season against Illinois to go from two and nine to three and nine. And Fitz was like, all right, back to the drawing board. This was, you know, he didn't say exactly like this, but the message was kind of like, this was a crap season. We're going to be better next year. And lo and behold, they won the big 10 West. So this is a coach who, when you talk about traits that you look for in a Jets head coach, which is a unique situation, right? Because no offense to your team, whoever's the head coach, like not a playoff team next year. Um, Fitz is equipped for that. Fitz is a, is, is a coach who's used to losing because he's at Northwestern and Northwestern is used to losing more than almost any program out there. So I actually think he's more equipped than most college coaches. Now he's also a former player. I mean, I I talk about seeing him intimate and up close. Part of traveling with the team is you get off the bus and there's the strength and conditioning coaches right there, blasting music, pumping the team up. They go into the locker room. The lights are off. They show a hype video. And then Fitz is standing tall. Like he still is built like a linebacker. And he's just pumping them up like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's almost scary he's a former player. Like he gets it. He's still a, a relatively young guy. Uh, you know, I mean, he doesn't have a gray hair yet. I don't think so. He can relate to players and he's a man. I mean, he's a grown man. So he can relate to the grown men that play in the NFL, not just the 18 to 22 year olds that play on Northwestern. Now I just gave you the positive personality traits. My only concern, if I were a Jets fan or, you know, just anyone in the NFL thinking about hiring him, this isn't so much a concern as much as a question is just he's not an NFL guy, right? He's a football guy. He has been in college football his whole adult life and he's had a lot of success, but he just has not spent that much time in the NFL. Now that there certainly is historical precedent that that's not a deal breaker. Like he certainly can be a good NFL head coach because he has all the traits of a good coach, but you know, he flamed out in the NFL. He, he spent like, uh, he had a cup of coffee and maybe he didn't even finish it in the NFL. So that, that would be my only question, but that's not a personality trait, right? That's just looking at his resume. So what do you think the odds are that he does make the move to the NFL? Because we hear all the time about college coaches potentially making that move. And a, it seems like a pretty high percentage of the time, it's just rumors and it doesn't really pan out because you know, most college coaches have it really well when, like you said, he's the king at Northwestern having that job. So it's a really uh, enviable position to be in. So if you're going to make that move up to the NFL, there has to be a legitimate reason to want to do it. So what do you think the odds are that he does take interviews and make a move to the NFL and in particular the Jets? It's good to be the king, right? <laughs> so I don't know who, who would want to leave that. Uh, and, and, and that, that's the golden question. You know, I wish, you know, my, my Twitter feed, every time there's like an Adam Schefter report, that's like, Oh, Fitz is, Fitz is, you know, maybe going to interview with teams. Everyone's like, no, no. 
but it's a realistic possibility. Now, I, I was covering the Holiday Bowl at the end of the 2018 season in San Diego against Utah. Northwestern scored 28 in the third quarter, came back and beat Utah. And this was in the heat of when Fitz was being rumored to be a top candidate, the top candidate for the Packers job that Matt LaFleur ended up taking. And there was a ton of chatter. I mean, everyone was thinking, God, is this Fitz's last game? How could he turn down a potentially huge pay bump going to the Packers? It's a great situation for a head coach, right? Because unlike the Jets, this is a team ready to win a Super Bowl. You right. get a coach, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and everyone was worried. Now, Fitz went to the podium and in the post-game interview, whoever was doing the interview addressed that question and essentially said, hey, Fitz, you know, you, everyone at Northwestern is worried that you're going to go to the NFL. What do you have to say about that? And he grabbed the mic and shouted, I'm a wildcat for life. And everyone went nuts and he shut it down. He never even interviewed for the Packers and they hired Lafleur, and the rest is history. So everyone at Northwestern has held on to those few words. I'm a wildcat for life. Now, that's not the most direct wording. It's not, I will be the head football coach at Northwestern until I die. It's just, I'm a wildcat for life. Well, me too, you know, <laughs> I'm a wildcat for life because I have my degree from Northwestern, but I, I don't work there right now. So um, he's not tied to Northwestern. He can accept other jobs. Now, the one thing I'll add is he's said before that he wants to stay in Chicago as long as his kids can finish school here. He has three boys. To be honest, I don't have their exact ages offhand, but I, it's important to him. He's a, he's a lifelong Chicagoan. And my understanding is that it's important to him to stay in the Chicago area to allow his kids to finish school here and not have to leave in the middle of high school or middle school. So people have speculated like, oh, the only job he would really leave for is the Bears. For a while, it looked like the Bears would become open. And then as we discussed in the beginning, you know, little win streak happened. Trubisky started playing well. Now they're in the playoffs and, I don't think Matt Nagy is leaving this year. So um, if you're Fitz, maybe you think, hey, if stock, my stock is higher than it has been and maybe ever will be, Bears isn't open, but screw it, I'll go to New York. You know, So I, my gut tells me he'll want to stay at Northwestern, that he might not really feel like he's done the job until he wins a Big Ten championship. Um, but who knows? There's only one person who, who could answer that question, and he's a lot – bigger and stronger than I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly a long shot candidate. I mean, I've, you've seen the rumors that the jets are super interested in him. And obviously that doesn't mean anything that he has a relationship with the jets general manager and Joe Douglas. Hell there's even jets uh, fans on Twitter, pulling up Justin Fields, who is looking like he could be the jets next quarterback talking about how much he loved um, Pat Fitzgerald and his visit to Northwestern. So there are people trying to connect the dots, but I agree with you that, that I think it's a long shot. And if he does make that jump, the bears obviously make a lot of sense. Um, but speaking about his player one-on-one relations, you, you talked about his relationship with, with, with uh, you and you're not even a player on the team. Can you, I guess, speak to his, his player to pl- coach to player relations and who are some, I guess, of the notable players he's developed, because that's been a big issue in New York is that the jets have drafted some talented guys, but they've just not developed in New York. And that is a direct indictment on, on the bad coaching that the jets have had over the last decade. 
Yeah, I mean, his player relations, that's that's his number one strength. I mean, he looks at all these guys as sons of his, and he he takes them in. You know, he's got that typical high school, college football coach player where, you know, he, he takes these players in, like, as his own, you know, and that's that style when, you know, it, it works for a 21-year-old college junior. It, it doesn't translate as well when you've got, you know, a 32 year old defensive lineman. I mean, that's not a knock on fits. It's just like, that's his, that's his style. He's, he's amazing at developing players, especially on the defensive end. Anthony Walker is one of the best young linebackers in the league. He's been killing it with the Colts. He's someone who fits developed and he's had a few other defensive guys who are in the NFL right now. Dean Lowry. I was just watching him yesterday, chase around, uh, Mitch Trubisky at Soldier Field. He's a starting defensive end for Green Bay. Tyler Lancaster on Green Bay. Um, uh, you know, Sherrick McManus, uh, who, who is a longtime bear, he has developed under Fitz. So for a school that traditionally gets an average of a three-star recruit, Fitz has actually pumped out a decent amount of talent that has gone to the NFL. And the current team is built around the linebackers, Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, Chris Bergen. Like these are guys who will likely get NFL shots. And frankly, you know, I mean, if you, if you took a Northwestern football fan in 1970 and you said, Hey, like you might have an average of eh, two or three draft picks per year and a couple other guys that'll sign as undrafted free agents in the NFL. He'd be like, what? From Northwestern? All of us nerds? Like, how? We suck. You know, the, the fact that Fitz has made the standard of that shows how he, he is able, able to develop young talent. So I could see him doing a really good job with young guys coming into the Jets. And I know you guys have a lot of draft picks and a lot of young talent. And that's a super important quality for a Jets head coach, right? You have to be able to develop young talent because all these draft picks and young guys mean nothing if you don't have the right coaching staff to develop. So, you know, it's not just up to the head coach, it's up to the position coaches and coordinators, certainly. But I think Fitz is a great guy to be at the top of that. Right. And another one of the most important parts of being a head coach, which was actually going back to the Jets search in 2019 with Matt Rule, another college head coach, one of their concerns with him was building a staff. And that was the primary reason he didn't end up coaching the Jets. So, if Pat Fitzgerald did go to the NFL, whether it be with the Jets or elsewhere, how do you think he would assemble his staff? Would he bring a lot of guys over from Northwestern, maybe across college football, maybe a mix of college in the NFL? If Just guessing, how do you think he would build that staff? Yeah, this is pure speculation on my end, but my gut tells me that Fitz wouldn't take too many guys from Northwestern. You know, if, if Fitz jumped – to the NFL, you know, remember those words, I'm a wildcat for life. I think he really still values keeping Northwestern as a top program. I don't think he would want to leave with the entire staff and gut it. You know, I, I could see him wanting to keep some key pieces there and also keeping in mind the fact that he's not an NFL guy and it would behoove him, I think, to build his staff around guys who are in the NFL like I would I if I were a Jets fan and they hired Fitz like I would want his top assistant I mean Fitz is a defensive guy so let's say you know his offensive coordinator to be a longtime NFL guy you know I, I don't want him to take Mike Bajakian from Northwestern who was Boston College's offensive coordinator now at Northwestern like 
that's not the guy you want. You want a longtime NFL offensive coordinator or even, you know, a longtime quarterbacks coach in the NFL who Fitz has some connection to. So I, I would think that given that he's a college guy, his staff would be very little Northwestern influence and a lot of NFL experience. At least that's what I would do if, if I were Fitz. Yeah, and I think that's important because, as Michael just alluded to, that was the Jets' big concern was Matt Rule. And, and Matt Rule eventually did bring a lot of college guys um, uh, to Carolina with him. But we were the Johnsons worried about Sean Ryan, and they wanted to pair him with Adam Gase. And we, we know how it turned out. The Johnsons have a history of, of meddling. But I, I, I tend to think if they were going to get a guy like Fitzgerald, who's, that, who's been that sought after in the NFL for, for this many years, I think they would probably just let him do what he wanted to. But I think you're right. I, I I tend to agree with you without having much knowledge about Northwestern's program that he just probably doesn't want to ravage the coaching staff. Yeah. He probably wants to, to have a successor in place. And, you know, this is probably, he's probably been thinking about the move to the NFL for at least the last decade, but whether or not he's going to do it or when the opportunity arises, but he's probably been in the back of his mind about, well, if I were to go to the NFL, who would be my <laughs> replacement? And I agree with you. I could see him taking a few coaches, but I think it would be smart on his end to, to get a long time, uh, offensive, uh, a long-time NFL guy at, at offensive coordinator, maybe even a former head coach like Anthony Lynn or Ken Wisnott. Those are just random names, but um, that's definitely a very interesting part whenever a college guy goes to the NFL. And when we relate this back to the Jets, and this is just kind of our last question, you talked about when he first got to Northwestern, the type of program it was. The Jets are in a similar position. Obviously, it's the NFL, so there's a little bit more parity than, than the NCAA. In the NFL, in my mind, it's a two-year league. You get about a one-year grace period. But that second year, you should be competing. You should be working towards a playoff spot. Uh, and that's just something the Jets haven't done in the last 10 years outside of 2015. They had a nice season. But what do you think would be some of his first few moves as head coach of the Jets? Just so to play hypothetical, he gets the job. He gets a big contract. And I'm not necessarily talking personnel because I don't expect you to know much about the Jets players. But as far as establishing that culture, and that's something that our owner, our GM – even the players at this point are talking about that they need a guy who's going to come in and be a CEO, which it certainly sounds like Fitzgerald fits that bill, but they need a guy more importantly to build the culture. Joe Douglas famously said in his GM introductory press press conference that he wanted to build the best culture in sports. Obviously that hasn't been the case over his first year and a half uh, seasons as the GM of the jets. So what do you think would be kind of those first few moves? If you had to speculate as far as how Fitzgerald could enact his culture in the NFL, but specifically with the New York Jets. Yeah, well, uh, for Joe Douglas, like if your priority is culture, I can't think of a better guy off the top of my mind than Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, he's built this culture at Northwestern. He's turned a losing culture where, you know, Northwestern fans used to root for the team to lose. I mean, I'm, I'm going way back to like the Wilbon days in the 80s they would root for them to lose so that because they were, you know, something like they were going to set the record for most losses in a row. And they wanted to like witness that history. Like that was the culture. It was pathetic. And now that's familiar is what it is. Yeah. So you want a guy who can build a culture like Pat Fitzgerald is your guy. I don't care if it's peewee football or the NFL, like that's your guy for that. So I would expect him to come in and be very strong about that. He has, I mean, I'm not going to comment on the nitty gritty of the personnel because I'm not a Jets expert, but just in terms of like the culture, you know, Pat, there's a great story in the Daily Northwestern from last week about how Pat Fitzgerald, or it might be inside on you actually, uh, but 
Pat Fitzgerald has mastered the art of the press conference. He's so good at press conferences. Like he's funny. He's tough. Um, I mean, he was hilarious even last year. Like when the team sucked, quarterbacks were horrible. Like he would call out the quarterback room. Like he's really direct and builds a culture of accountability. And I think that's, what's important. You know, if you're going to go two and 14, there's gotta be some accountability. And if young players who are being paid a lot of money and are supposed to be developing at hyperspeed aren't developing, like he's going to take matters into his own hands. And, you know, he, he knows the NFL is not like college where you can play the long game. Like if they don't develop, he'll be out the door. You know, Pat Fitzgerald could go from this intriguing prospect to someone who everyone in, in New York is bashing after two losing seasons, just like that. So he knows the pressure would be on. And I, I really think he'd make that a priority to develop that young talent. Um, you know, I, I look especially at the defensive end because that's his expertise. He's a linebacker. He's a defensive guy. Northwestern has always been a really stout defensive team. And I think he would look to build the Jets in a similar way. Now, the question is for the Jets, like, who's your quarterback going to be, right? Is it going to be Darnold? Or are you going to draft a quarterback? Or you, I mean, I, I don't know. You guys are more experts on that. But at the end of the day, like the quarterback question and the coach question go hand in hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess at this point, Michael and I are both hoping that they do draft a quarterback, but that's a podcast for a different day, Sam. Fields? I, I think Michael's leaning towards Wilson. I'm leaning towards Fields. So we're kind of split, but we still have a national championship game to watch and plenty of other podcasts and film you know, to break down and watch. Well, I will I say, say one, one more Fitz thing, uh, you know, on the, just speaking to your Jets audience that I'm sure is thinking about this, you know, who do we draft? Uh, you know, Fitz, this is just a tiny footnote, but Fitz, Fitz has game planned for Fields, right? He knows Fields right. more intimately. And I think he knows Fields' weaknesses pretty well too, because right. Fields' worst game of the season was against Northwestern. You know, he lit up Clemson, but the week before, really looked like a shell of himself against Northwestern. So I don't know. I mean, Fitz might have a little something on fields that he could kind of tap into and be like, listen, man, like this is, this is how we shut you down in uh, a big 10 championship game. Don't do this and you'll be a stud. So maybe that's a, a little bonus point for Fields if they hire Fitz. It's, it's the best time. And maybe you can relate to this a little bit as a, as a Bears fan, but maybe not to the degree as, as a Jets fan. This is the best time to be a Jets fan. We always love the offseason, the hypotheticals, the dreams of, of potentially being a playoff team. Um, I know the Bears have, have captured that dream, but um, mm-hmm. pairing Fields with Fitzgerald sounds pretty ni- damn nice, but I have a feeling it's going to be uh, Darnold and Marvin Lewis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. Oh, God. Um, if, you know, if, if, if they do, if they hired Marvin Lewis, I mean, like, I would want you to have me back on the podcast yeah, and like, just... cry with you. <laughs> it's it's just he, a therapy session he'll get an yeah, interview like he'll I'm, get an interview I'm comfortable he'll get an interview because he's connections to the gm he's a you know longtime head coach ceo uh yeah i would be very against that but i wouldn't be surprised if we got an interview sam this has been an absolute pleasure you were you were terrific in breaking down pat Fitzgerald. if he is the hire i know you may be a little sad for for your alma mater but we'd love to have you back on and, and talk more about him specifically about his, his new job but I tend to agree with you. I think it's pretty unlikely that the Jets could pull this off. I think he's probably going to stick at Northwestern for a few more years, see if he can capture a national championship. And then maybe when his kids have have moved on to college, maybe make that move to the bears or a more attractive spot, because let's face it, the Jets certainly have their, their positives, um, but they're not a perfect destination. And it kind of seems like Fitzgerald is waiting for that perfect opportunity. 
Um, Sam, just give our listeners uh, your information, where they can find you, where they can follow you. I'm sure we have some Northwestern fans that, that follow us. Um, so yeah, just your time to, to plug your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll say, you know, if, if the Jets hire Fitz as a Northwestern grad, I'll be heartbroken along with the rest of, of the Northwestern mafia out there. But I will take a little solace in the fact that it means I get to come back and, and chat with you guys. So awesome. that'll be, that'll be the little bonus on top of uh, some sadness, but yeah, uh, you can follow me. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Sam brief brief as in briefcase. I before E um, check, check out my work at sambrief.com. Uh, Chicago state university, Chicago dogs, baseball team, making some noise out here in the windy city. So uh, check me out and uh, we'll see if, Fitz decides to go northeast. All right, there you have it. Pat Fitzgerald, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day. You guys can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Dania. You can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you check out JetsXFactor.com, the best place to go for Jets content. Obviously, a huge offseason uh, here uh, for the New York Jets. So just make sure you check that out. We'll continue with these head coaching deep dives. We have two every day for this entire week, and we're probably going to keep adding on to it the more names that come out uh, that the Jets are interviewing. So Pat Fitzgerald will be a hell of a hire for the Jets if they can prime away. We'll see if Joe Douglas can make some magic happen. Quickly, down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air, picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Saved a touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.